1: On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we bring you the latest OU football news, including the Sooners getting a transfer QB, the Big 12 betting odds are out, and OU checks in at number four in CBS's post-spring top 25. Then Chris Vanini joins us to discuss the potential elimination of divisions in conferences in college football and the latest on name, image, and likeness, we finish up giving you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Our man, Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, May 11th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience. There are so many reasons why Riverwind has consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And the Beats and Bites Festival starts this month. Night Ranger and Starship will be performing May 28th. It's $5 general admission, and kids under 12 get in free. There'll be a ton of food trucks. There'll also be all kinds of things for the kiddos to do including face painting and an inflatable obstacle course. To buy tickets, visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now we're recording this Wednesday morning. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Ted, I saw your tweet. (laughs) I saw it uh, about 20 minutes before we started recording. I saw that you have added someone to Teddy's Don't Read list. Uh, a young man named Ron Bill Murray, for what he yeah. said about Baker Mayfield.
0: Well, it's been brought to my attention that uh, I've been had, which is, you know, it's hard to tell these days. What is a troll account and what is not? Definitely a troll account. Definitely a, a parody site. Um, Jake Trotter DM me right away. Is like FYI parody account, and uh, I was like, yeah, I thought it might be, but. And then I had people saying, "Delete, delete it, parody account." I can't delete it because that is not a true representation of the timeline, right? You just gotta, you just gotta take your lumps. That's
1: I. How it goes. I saw the tweet and I was like, Oh no. Oh no. He doesn't realize it was, it's a parody account. It's a joke. He's been, he's been got, but I, I, think it's fine. I I'm with you. Sometimes you get
0: got and you just got to own it, man. It's okay. Right. Uh, it was funny because it said something about like a Baker Mayfield, like parade or something. I was like, I don't think there's going to be a parade. I was just talking about the disgraced quarterback, Baker Mayfield, and that seemed like a legitimate thing that a a writer would put out there as a headline or something. So they got me.
1: Yeah, it's okay. I Kudos to I,
0: them. They won this battle.
1: I had all kinds of people send it to me and be like, Oh, you gotta make sure Teddy talks about this on the pod. Like, that's our favorite part. And I'm like, it's my favorite part too. That's why anytime I get a chance to rile the guy up, I'm I'm going to do it. But
0: uh, good stuff. I had to
1: break it to them as well. And I was like, guys, it's um it's not real. I'm sorry.
0: It's funny. Good stuff.
1: Let's talk some OU football, shall we? Let's do it landed a transfer quarterback commit and remember Brent Venables talked about looking in the portal for that backup quarterback and they found one got a commitment from former Pitt QB Davis Bevel who you know went and watched his performance in the Peach Bowl looked pretty solid when he went in that game 14 of 18 149 yards touchdown and a pick but Ted, you think about the OU quarterback position, right? It has become the standard in college football over the last seven, eight years. I'd say that's that's fair. Do we have to pretend like we are, and nothing against Davis Bevel, right? But do we have to pretend that we're like really fired up? that this guy's coming to Norman now it, at least he's a big dude. It's always cool to have big quarterbacks, right? 6'6, six, six, 235. Yeah. All right. That's, that's fun. I like, Hey, give me big dudes. I've talked about it constantly on here. Give us all the big human beings, but in this guy, he's coming to be a backup quarterback. I I, I don't expect Bevel to ever be the starter at Oklahoma, uh, but this is backup quarterbacks. One of the, one of the big trouble spots for this team. And I guess I'm excited. Am I excited? I don't know. Should I be excited?
0: Well, I I think so. I I think the question is, does he make the team better? And I think the answer to that is yes. Um, a little bit of experience. We don't have much experience right now in the room. Um, no one backing up Dylan Gabriel has played much, if any, uh, college football on any type of meaningful level, and I know Bevel doesn't have a whole lot of experience, but he's got more than the rest of the guys, and I think he's, he's shown some flashes of being able to throw the ball downfield, big guy, strong arm, will he ever be the starter at Oklahoma? Hard to say. I'd say the odds are, are probably going to be stacked against him, but I don't think they would have just brought in anybody I think that the system he was in, pretty demanding on quarterbacks that can throw and be accurate and read defenses, move the ball down the field. You never know. Big guy, big arm. He's not, he, he's not unathletic. He can move around, made a couple of plays outside the pocket, in that game against Michigan State in the bowl game, right? he looks like a solid player to me. We'll just have to see how he develops. You know, I, I think he, he gives you enough behind Dylan Gabriel to where you feel a little bit more confident that you got a guy that has proven in big games he can go in and perform well. So I think that's what you're looking for. Um, it's hard to go into the transfer portal and convince guys that were already starters come be a backup you can't really do that especially in the nil age where there's tons of uh folks out there that would die to bring these quarterbacks in to be their starter at you know at some pretty decent levels so it's it's kind of slim pickings asking a guy to come in and be a backup whenever you've really already named a guy dylan gabriel's going to be the starter there is no quarterback battle they're not bringing someone in to compete for the starting job because they don't feel good about their starter. We just need some some added experience, some depth and that's that could be a hard sell to guys that have already been starters
1: yeah like you, you think of a guy like Gary Bohannon right that was in there, you know started a lot of games for Baylor, played some really solid football for Baylor. You know, there are some people wondering maybe maybe Levy and b v could convince him to come be the backup at o u and then you see. A guy like that ends up at South Florida, right? I mean, a a program that let's be real, they've they've been bad the last two seasons under Jeff Scott. But yeah, you look at Bevel coming. This is this is probably the best way I can put it. Uh, I'm glad OU's got him, right? For for all the reasons that you said, but I wish I wish it didn't feel like they needed him. When you when you look at the quarterback situation, you mentioned right. the inexperience. You know, a guy like Nick Evers, like the development, physical, mental development. Like, it, it's gonna take some time for him, right? But I just with, with the what we have grown accustomed to at the quarterback position to see this guy transferring in. Yeah, I'll I can pretend to be super excited, right? Like, oh, we got our backup quarterback. Let's go! But it is, it's not quite up to the level of the expectation that we now have for, for OU's quarterback. And that's fine. It's, it, it's not, it's not like Bevel's not capable. Uh, I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen a ton of him other than what he put on tape in the peach bowl, but I do like one thing about his commitment announcement. I I like a guy that's betting on himself. I, uh, that, that is something that registers well with me. And it tells me he kind of knows the situation he's walking into, and he's fine with it. And yeah. he, he's down for that challenge. And I am, I am all for all the guys on your roster that have that type of mentality. Like, no, 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 I'm here to compete. I, I know what the situation is, but I'm here to compete. I believe in myself. Let's go. Let's, let's compete. I, I can really get down with that
0: last thing I'll, I'll really say about it is you know i don't know how long dylan gabriel is going to stay if he goes out and has an unbelievable year maybe jumps to the nfl i don't know but you know let's say he does well you're going to be talking about the the bevel kid nick evers and the the, the kid that's going to sign in the 2023 class. I,
1: Arnold, I, is that right? Arnold? Yeah. We're Arnold. A, we're, we're
0: clearly big recruiting guys. I, that's too far out for me to uh, remember at this point. He's a four-star kid. A lot of folks think he's going to be a five-star by the time he signs. But I've seen enough four- and five-star kids that never even touch the field to know that nothing is guaranteed – from high school kids coming in. You know, Nick Evers I think has a high ceiling, but he's got a long way to go. All right. And the kid that's about to play his senior year in high school, same thing. Right. So I I would I would never count anyone out in the quarterback battle if if those guys hit their full potential early, okay, yeah, gonna be difficult for Bevel to be a starter. But the guy at 6'6", 235, and can move a bit, uh, has a big arm, hey, you never know. Lebby likes the bigger quarterbacks. Um, I know Dylan Gabriel doesn't fit that mold, but most of his, his history and his recruits are bigger guys, so I don't know. I think it's interesting, and I'll, I'll, I definitely would not count him out. He's already shown that he can play in big-time football games, big-time bowl games, stepping in, in a tough situation and playing pretty well. I think that means quite a bit.
1: Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how it all ends up working out. And yeah, I, I am, I'm all for him getting in that quarterback room and elevating the level of play of everyone because Dylan Gabriel's not going to feel threatened, but you, you gotta be crazy. If, you don't think he's going to look at this guy and be like, okay, okay, yeah, I'm going to have to significantly outplay him just to prove a point. Like that, him being in that room, I think it will raise the level of play uh, of a guy like Bowens, a guy like Evers, but also a guy like Dylan Gabriel because it's like, okay, let me, let me show the new guy what I got. You know right. what I mean?
0: Exactly. So, exactly. Brings, anytime someone new steps in the room, it brings out the competitive nature in everyone.
1: Absolutely. All right, let's talk some Big 12 betting odds They're out. We're, we're, yeah. It feels like the season's getting close. I know it's still like four months away, but I don't care. Anytime the betting odds come out, that's when I'm like, okay, I can smell it. It's near. BetOnline.ag, they put out the Big 12 betting odds. Oklahoma is the favorite at 7-5. to five. Texas comes in with the second best odds at 2-1. to one. Oklahoma State is 5-1. to one. Baylor is 15-2. to two. Iowa State is twelve to one. TCU is fourteen to one. Texas Tech and West Virginia checking in at forty to one. Kansas State at fifty to one, and Kansas way back there at three hundred to one. you you think about how things finish up last year, right? I, I don't think there's any surprise that. Baylor and Oklahoma State are in the top four. Of the betting odds, OU, clearly, I, I know they didn't win it last year, but they won it the six years before that, so it makes a lot of sense for OU to be the top dog. And then, of course, Texas is in there, man. Of course they are. I, I love it. I, I love the respect that Texas consistently gets before we actually play the games. It's incredible. Just absolutely incredible.
0: Yeah, sometimes with the betting odds, it's hard to really know because it's not necessarily an exact representation of what they think is going to happen. It, a lot of times it has to do with where is the action going to be and who's going to like, I, I'm, I'm guessing Texas always gets heavy action. Um, Baylor, probably not as much because to me, if, it, if it's about who's the best, I think it's Oklahoma. Baylor one and two, and then I'd probably put Oklahoma State three, maybe Texas four. I actually like Kansas State, who they've got at 50 to one. I think Kansas State, uh, depending on how Adrian Martinez plays, has a, has a fairly high ceiling, could be pretty good. So sometimes it's it's hard to know, but Texas is, what, they haven't won the conference since, what, 09. So we're well over a decade now, and I know that they've got some exciting things, but they've always got exciting stuff before you actually kick the ball off in the fall, right? So I don't know. I know they've, they've said the quarterback has looked good through spring. Fall is a, is a way different story, and kids never thrown a meaningful pass in a college football game. You know, they've got a culture problem down in Texas. They always have. And I think the NIL is going to make the tech, the culture issue worse at Texas. Not better when you have a guy pulling up in a Lamborghini, parking it in the uh, parking lot before you walk inside.
1: I'll, I'll say this though. Bijan Robinson deserves that Lamborghini. He's awesome.
0: <laughs> I know. And he's, he's, he's awesome. probably a great kid. You know, has, uh, it, it's, it's not a knock on him. It's a knock on, it always feels like Texas, uh, the players have been way more concerned with what being a football player can get them around Austin as far as being a star and hanging out and partying on 6th Street, just like we saw the defensive lineman talk about, right? And I, ju- I feel like the NIL stuff, although it's you know probably going to get them some good players, I feel like it's just going to inflame the issue that they've already had.
1: They... They also went five and seven last year. Key, key factor. Yeah, that is, that, that's also something to remember. And, you know, the more people I talk, I've talked to a couple people on that coaching staff, uh, on my radio show on Sirius, and that second half of the OU game, like it derailed their season. So that made me wonder like, okay, what's the, what's the mental makeup of that team? Like how if fragile you can,
0: can you be? Right.
1: Right. That's where it's like, damn, it derailed your season. That one half. And I listen, I get it. I understand that was heartbreaking for them, but there's a lot of un- unknown with Texas and, and it starts with the quarterback, but also that defense, man, they were, they were bad last year. You, you look at conference games only. They gave up 35
0: points a game on defense. And a good staff that has had really good results in the past. And last year was probably, I don't know, I'd have to go back and do a lot of work, but probably the lowest offensive output the Big 12 has had in a decade or maybe longer.
1: The, this is all you need to know. The first team Big 12 quarterback was Spencer Sanders.
0: Right. That's defensively led football team. Yeah.
1: That, that was where the level of QB play was last year in the conference. Right? Right. Brock Purdy led the league in, in passing. It just, the quarterback play was not good last year. It wasn't, it was not good in the big 12. So for Texas's defense to play the way that they did, I mean, that is, that's something they, they clearly have been trying to address this offseason, but we'll see it. I'm going to need to see it before I believe it in the fall. Like, looking at some of these other odds, I look at Iowa State, right? Last year coming into the year, more hype for Iowa State than any year in the history of that program. And they fell flat on their face. Right? I thought that they were the most disappointing team in the country to me. Like, I... I, I expected really, really good things from them and it just, it didn't happen. But now they're kind of flying under the radar. Bunch of new faces there for Matt Campbell, right? Lost a lot of names that we know, you know, Purdy, Brees Hall, uh, guys, Eisworth on the defensive side, Mike Rose. Like, but they do have some, some solid pieces back, you know, starting with Will McDonald there who's probably going to be the best edge rusher in the league. But I feel like Iowa State's in more of an Iowa State spot. You know what I mean? Like, they're, yeah. they're probably more comfortable, you know, coming in to the well, – we'll talk about the preseason poll. That's a long way off. But you, you would assume they'll come in somewhere like fourth or fifth in the preseason media poll. And I think that Matt Campbell's much more comfortable – living in that world than, hey, possibly being the preseason favorite to win the league.
0: No doubt. I, it is definitely easier whenever that's the feeling and you don't have nearly the spotlight. But honestly, it, this is a big unknown. There's going to be a lot of new faces, as you pointed out, and we'll see if truly Iowa State is, has an elite staff at developing players, or if they just happen to have the right group together at the right time to, to play the way that they did over that, that span with those guys there. I mean, I don't know what the, all the numbers are, but they've got to be one of the, the biggest teams in college football as far as outgoing experience, like losing overall total starts from guys that that aren't going to be on the, the squad this year so this is big big for Campbell you know his name was floated around for a lot of the biggest jobs in college football well if you can bounce back with all of the star power gone and still be second third best team in the big 12 with a new round of talent I think that will say a whole heck of a lot about Matt Campbell.
1: I agree, and you mentioned Kansas State, 50-1. to one. Listen, people may not realize this. They switched to that three-man front last year, and it was weird as hell to see him in it, and they really settled in. You look at the best defenses, and I always look at scoring defense. That is, that is the most important statistic to me. You look at scoring defense last year in just the conference games. Oklahoma State, number one. Baylor, number two, and guess who at number three? Yep. Kansas State, they, they gave up 22 points a game on defense in conference play. You can win a lot of football games doing that. They got a lot of guys back on the defensive side of the ball, and I know this is a big if, but what happens if Colin Klein, who's the new offensive coordinator there for K-State, uh, for, for Chris Kleiman, what happens if he can get the best out of Adrian
0: Martinez? I happen, to, I happen to think Adrian Martinez fits Kansas State perfectly. Perfectly. Capable passer. Really good runner. He's big, physical quarterback. Uh, he, You know, they got an All-American in the backfield with him. Deuce Vaughn back again. Uh, offensive line, solid going to probably be improved over a year ago, I like them. I do. I think that they're going to be a really, really solid football team. A lot of it does hinge on what Adrian Martinez do we see, but I feel like, you know, I I think the issue for him at Nebraska was, let's open it up. Let's get going. Let's move the ball down the field. Let's put up some numbers offensively that's not what Kansas state's going to be asking him to do. Kansas state's going to be asking him to get four yards on this quarterback power, get three yards on this quarterback counter, throw the bubble, uh, play action, let it fly every now and then it's, it's going to be a totally different ball game for them. And I think it fits his style really well.
1: Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how, He looks coming off that shoulder surgery. But yeah, I I think it says a lot that OU's got a new head coach, a new offensive system, a new defensive system, all these new players, right? Lost all your best players on defense, new quarterback, and they're still the betting favorite. I think it, it, it says a lot about the level of consistency that has surrounded this program for a long, long time. And it also says a lot about how much some of these other teams in the Big 12 lost from from their rosters. Like Baylor, especially. Baylor, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, they lost so much on that defense. But, yeah, I I saw those.
0: When you have a guy that didn't throw an interception until, like, the middle of November, you won the Big 12, you won the Sugar Bowl, and the coach told the quarterback, hey – better hit the portal that kind of scares me a little bit you know I'm a little worried about what we make because I totally trust uh, even though they lost some really good players defensively I totally trust that their defense is going to be really solid again and this kid at quarterback that they've got playing his numbers from a year ago are are outstanding and just it's a bit concerning honestly
1: yeah I I've said it a lot I think Blake Shapin elevates the level of Jeff Grimes' system for them, and they've got all those guys on that defensive line back, That's including Apu Ika. Yeah,
0: you know, when you've got a 370-pounder playing nose, you can fill in the backers behind that and get some good play. Uh, yeah. the, all right, the, the CB...
1: <laughs> yeah, just, oh, they're linebackers. They, they lost a couple. Ah, they won't get touched. It's fine. <laughs> the CBS... Post-spring, top 25 is out. Number one, Bama. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, Georgia. And checking in at number four, the Oklahoma Sooners. Number four, post-spring. I saw this, and it raised not one eyebrow, but both. Ted, listen, I... There, there are not many people that believe in... Britt Venables more than I do. But number four is a little much. There's a whole lot of unknown with this football team. Listen, I, I appreciate the respect from CBS Sports, but that is, that's a little high for me. And it's, it's not that I don't expect them to end up in that conversation at the end of the year, but going into the year with everything they lost from the roster and all the... The newness with the staff and the systems they're implementing.
0: Number four. Ooh, okay. Not scared, but dang, okay. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? The the way too early top 25s that I guess were way too early. Had Oklahoma floating around what the low 20s, high teens area, most of them did. And here we are post spring and they've moved up to number four interesting how does that happen right how, how how do you go from uh 19 20 21 to number four in the country seems seems pretty sketchy to me but i'm with you i think the seven eight number is probably about right i'm comfortable with that number but my problem is Whenever our starts trying to say, okay, if Oklahoma's four, who behind them do I feel like is going to be a better football team than they are? And it gets really difficult to come up with teams to put ahead of them. But I still think just, just to feel better about it, I'd like to be back at like seven or eight, have a little hunger there, try and go out and earn it. But like, I'd have them ahead of Baylor. I think they're going to be better than Michigan. I think they're going to be better than Texas a and I think Notre Dame, um, depending on what happens with them offensively, I think that's probably the closest. That's who I'd have there. You know, I, the problem is, if not Oklahoma at number four, then who would you put at number four? That's... That's the question, right? I and, personally would put Clemson there, probably. Which,
1: yeah, I think Clemson checked in at like eleven. Uh, Utah at nine. Right. Arkansas at ten. Like, I don't. I, I think OU is going to be a much better team than Arkansas. I think OU Utah would be a damn good football Utah's game. It's
0: going to be good. They're going to be real. So
1: good. yeah, I I guess I'd rather be four than like eleven, right? It's yeah. more fun that way. But yeah, it's certainly. I saw that and I was like, you think about. You think about the hype going into last year. And you and I, we fully embraced that, right? Because that was the expectation. And we've been hearing, hey, 2021, that's the season. Right? That and that's what
0: this entire was thing was building about, to. Yeah, it was more about kind of the rest of the country than it was OU. Like I remember saying that. I don't think this is going to be the best team OU's had in in the last four or five years. But I think just because of the nature of the rest of the college football world, it may be one of their better shots to go win a championship. And I feel like that proved to be true with Georgia winning it with the quarterback that they had and Cincinnati making the, the, the playoff and Michigan making the playoff. I feel like everything played out right. Problem is... You know, we didn't hold up our end of the bargain.
1: Yeah, and i I think there are some other notable notable teams in this uh, in this post spring top twenty five. USC checking in at fourteen. I think that some OU fans are uh, are a little surprised by that. I know I certainly uh, certainly was surprised by that.
0: And then I'll just tell text- you right now. Utah at 10 and USC at 14, buddy, Utah is going to stomp a mud hole in USC's ass this year. I'm just telling you right now, you can mark that down. Those two teams are not even close.
1: Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. But, hey, the USC hype train is real. Texas checking in at 17, and then Oklahoma State checking in at 20, which, I mean, feels... Feels about right, honestly. But I think yeah, offensively, so,
0: Oklahoma State is could have a pretty good year. Going to have a really good running game. Got some good talent at wide receiver.
1: Just got a lot of holes to fill on that defense. And clearly, Jim Knowles moving on to Ohio State. Derek Mason's a hell of a football coach. But I thought their system last year was one of, if not the best, in the country that I saw on tape. And a lot of change man and the i know the experience
0: they're... in college football is it's one of the biggest factors especially you know it, sometimes i feel like the returning starters can be too big of a factor if you're not looking at who the starters are that are returning but like oklahoma state last year the the guys that they had on that defense and the amount of experience that was there and from good players it's hard to replicate that.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt. All right, let's get to call your shot. And we asked y'all, how do you feel about OU being number four in the post-spring top 25? And, Ted, we got, we got a lot of responses. Uh, this first one comes from Charles Matthew Davis on Twitter, who says, I really wish they weren't, LOL. I feel like 8 to 12 would feeling more realistic Reasonable, although I certainly think we can be top five, just hate preseason rankings.
0: Yeah, I understand the feeling. It It's a little bit better, at least you feel a little bit better whenever there's the feeling of you've got to go out and earn your respect, right? And you've got a chip on your shoulder and... If, if you're if you're put as a, a number 15 team that that's going to be motivation throughout the offseason through summer workouts, like we're, we're disrespected. No one believes in us. Let's go out and, and put the work in and, and go prove everyone wrong. It's a lot easier to do that than it is. like, Hey, we're good. Everyone thinks that we're, we're going to be a, a playoff team. We, we, we're right where we need to be. So I understand that mentality. At the end of the day, does it really matter? I don't know. If you show up ready to play every Saturday, then it probably doesn't. But I I do get the feeling, or I I do understand the feeling, rather, of wanting to be a little further back in the pack and fight your way up.
1: Yeah, this one from Jarek Savage, uh, I think, sums it up well. He says, I believe a little too high currently. But after seeing what BV has already done with the program, wouldn't surprise me if that is exactly where we end up by the end of the season, Boomer. I, that's that's kind of how I feel, right? It's like, man, there, there are so many unknowns heading into the season, but I believe in Venables and Levy and what, and just kind of the mentality that is being instilled by that coaching staff and by Schmitty that I expect them to win the big 12, right? I I am not going to change that expectation ever for Oklahoma. Like I expect them to win the big 12. And if you are, if you're winning the big 12, you got a good chance of going and playing in the college football playoff, but heading into the year without us being able to see this coaching staff, you know, coach a game together without us being able to see all these new faces on the roster play a game together, it's it's hard to justify number four. That doesn't mean they can't get there, right? And that is, that is something that you and I have talked about the last couple seasons, right? I, I felt like at points where the team should have been showing improvement, we didn't get as much as we were used to seeing in the past, right? Where, you know, championship November, all that stuff. Brent Venables, like, the, the team that takes the field against UTEP, that, that's not the finished product. They're going to, with the way that they practice and just with how detailed Venables and that entire staff are when it comes to coaching – and what Schmidty's going to make them do lifting wise during the season like they're going to continue to improve during the season and that's how it's supposed to be that's that's the sign of a program that is being run the proper way and i i would i would hope that as they get more and more experienced and more and more comfortable playing together right and they get into the groove of the season that's when we really see some improvement kind of in that That middle third of the season. And I, but we won't know, we won't know what that looks like until we get there, though. That's, that's the unknown for me is how much we know they got a talented team. We know they got a really talented coaching staff. How much can they improve within the
0: season? Right. And I'd say, though, I totally agree with everything you just said. The other thing that I would add is, they have a very manageable schedule this year as well. That, you know, you can be a really, really good football team and play Ohio State in the preseason. And, you know, if you're a, you know, I I don't know who, but you can, if you're in a conference with a really tough team, a top five team, and you play a top 10 team in, non-conference, well, you could end up with a, a two or three-loss season, but, you know, be one of the better teams out there. It's just that your schedule happened to be incredibly difficult, and this year Oklahoma's got a, a really manageable schedule. Like next, next year, we're playing Georgia in the non-conference. Like, that changes, if there's not an expa- expanded playoff, that changes kind of what you're what the rest of your season can look like, you know, if you if you want to make a fourteen playoff at the end of the year. So this year, totally totally manageable. Whenever you look at it from right now,
1: yeah. And i i'm not I'm not sure if the sooner gnome account is your burner or not, but I feel like I feel like this one sums up your thoughts well. Would love to feel like we are top four, but too many unknowns. I say we are top 10, but would love for us to start the season lower or unranked and begin the season with more chips on the shoulder. A BV-led Sooner team with their backs against the wall is a dangerous thing. We agree. You Damn, sure that's I not you? Are you accounts. the Sooner
0: gnome? Uh, <laughs> not the Sooner gnome, but hey, we are, we're locked in right here.
1: Ted and the Sooner Gnome on the same wavelength. All right, let's do birthday shout-outs. Happy first birthday to Baker Charles Board. Happy ninth birthday to Andrew Hall. Happy 16th birthday to Emily Austin. Happy 21st birthday to Brayden Potts. Happy 22nd birthday to Chloe and Cole Austin. Happy 30th birthday
0: to Dakota Shipley. Happy 33rd birthday to Cameron Davis. Happy 42nd birthday to Dustin Borden.
1: Congrats to Jack and Lydia on their fifth wedding anniversary.
0: Special request for Teddy to read. So I will read that.
1: This came in a DM. It was a special request.
0: Happy 69th birthday to... (laughs) To Miss Normus. <laughs> it says,
1: happy 69th birthday to Dixie Normus. <laughs> and I, I told the individual that this, sent that DM, I was like, I will not violate the sanctity of the birthday shout out segment. But yes, I will make uh, Teddy read that.
0: That's great. Nicely done. And then Nicely one late done. addition,
1: happy 13th birthday to Colin and Kendall Potts. All right, let's talk, to, let's talk to our man Chris Vanini about some of these new developments in college football, and it's not just NIL. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite, yes, Java Amore. Do you see turnip seed with the I Java did. Amore in the I picture?
0: Did. That picture. I don't know who took that picture, but it looked like it they were on like a photo set or something, didn't it? That was awesome.
1: That that's just what pictures look like when you take them at Loves. Like that's just how it looks.
0: <laughs> awesome. Java
1: Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also as you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile to go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the loves connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The loves connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at loves travel stops for a full list of what loves has to offer. Visit loves.com.
0: Opalus clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, Go to opolisclothing.com, that's O-P-O-L-I-S, clothing.com, and use the promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com, and use promo code TED for 10% off, buttery soft, and 10% off.
1: And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence, With a 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join, and as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available unfazed. Ted, you can't get me. Too locked in, baby. All right, let's talk to our man, Chris Vanini. A lot going on in college athletics, especially college football. He's got a lot to tell us. All right, here's Chris. It is our pleasure to be joined by a senior writer for The Athletic. He's one of the best out there covering college football. Chris Vanini is in the house. Chris, what's going on, man?
2: A lot's going on. It's it's mid May and college football is uh, a lot of stuff going on in the sport. Not typical, but I guess it's just becoming a year-round sport now. It
1: it definitely is, and I want to start with you, you've done a great job of covering a significant development that maybe isn't getting the coverage that the NIL stuff is getting. But you look at what the NCAA Football Oversight Committee recommended when it comes to. You know, the requirements for a conference to have a championship game, explain, explain what the system is now and how this change kind of affects college football.
2: Yeah, look, I mean, I know everybody likes to talk about NIL, NIL nonstop right now, but there's a lot of other changes going on. And among those is that you no longer need divisions or or, or soon you will no longer need divisions to have a conference championship game. As it currently set up, you either got to have divisions or you got to play everybody in your conference like the Big 12 does. Uh, the American has had a waiver for the last few years since UConn left the league, but, but those are the rules. And the Football Oversight Committee has recommended, and it's expected to be approved next week, uh, that th- there are no longer requirements for that, that conferences can choose their conference championship game participants however they want that could be pods, that could be divisions, that could be just whatever you want. And it's going to open up the ability for more schools to play each other and more likely to get your top two teams in your championship game, which I think is what everybody kind of wants to see more of.
0: Who do you think was the, the main lobbyist for this? Is this the SEC trying to maybe – my feeling is whenever something like this comes around – that the SEC is trying to find a new, better way to continue to not have their top teams play each other and, and, like you said, get the best teams in the championship game. All about the, in my opinion, the expanding of the playoff, right? How can we not have our top teams eliminate each other and still have the best, be best set up to have the most teams make the playoff?
2: I don't have it in front of me. I don't know which conference specifically pushed this one forward, but I can tell you almost all of them support it. I mean, it's considered on the, on the docket, it's considered non-controversial legislation, which just kind of tells you that everybody's for this. And, I mean, we know the SEC is looking at other schedules. We know the ACC is. The Big Ten will in a bit. The Mountain West is pretty much everybody's looking to do something like this because conferences have gotten so big. You know, when, when you have a 16 team SEC, there's no way that East West is, is going to work. You just you have teams that are never going to play each other. You have uh, Georgia and Texas A&M that have almost never played each other since A&M joined the conference, what, eight, nine years ago or something like that. So everybody wants to get fresher conference games, cross-division games, and something like maybe you have a couple protected robberies and your other games rotate is, is going to be a way, I think, to, to, to make the schedules just more fresh and exciting for fans.
1: Chris, you you mentioned that, you know, how this will affect the SEC once OU and Texas get there, but how do you think it will affect the Big 12 in 2023 and 2024 if we do in fact get that 14 team model where OU and Texas are still there and the four new members have arrived like because the Big 12 from 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 my understanding they held off on determining you know what what their divisions or or maybe they're not going to do divisions what all that is going to look like last week at those meetings in Arizona what do you what do you think this could mean for that short period of time where we may have a 14 team Big 12
2: yeah, obviously the Big 12 doesn't have divisions right now. It's the only Power Five that doesn't, and it's going to be adding uh, four new teams and, and losing two. But there's probably going to be a little bit of overlap, perhaps. So, so what do you do with a 14-team Big 12? You know, for for a while, once it announced the addition of those four new schools, there was a lot of talk about getting back to divisions. But the more you kind of think about it, the more you talk to people around the league, they may not do that. You know, they they've got a pretty good set up right now where you have the top two teams play each other now you had you know baylor potentially knock oklahoma state out of the playoff last year but it's been a a setup that allows everybody to see each other so i I would be i'd probably be more surprised than not if the if the big 12 went to divisions uh, especially if it's 14 teams for for a year or two Uh, I, i would imagine they're probably more likely to, uh, to to not do divisions do some sort of other scheduling format to to have some more fresh matchups
0: what's your what's your gut tell you on this because for me maybe I'm a pessimist but i i think the ex, the expanded playoff had a lot of people excited feeling like okay maybe teams are going to be a little more open to risking a loss and playing way better non-conference games. And I feel like we've seen an uptick possibly in some of that scheduling. But with this, I feel like it's going to create the ability to dodge the top teams in your conference playing one another. Do you think that's going to happen? Or what does your gut tell you on, on scheduling?
2: Well, like the, the Big Ten looking at potentially getting rid of divisions, that's probably – going to it it may wait until playoff expansion They, they, they may not do it until then for that reason if you only have four teams you don't want to have one of your teams one your your number two team knock off your number one team but that is the appeal in an expanded playoff that you have one versus two and and potentially both are in, and the winner is maybe playing for a buy in that first round. That that's why I really like that 12 team model that they came up with was that there are stakes for everybody. You may have an SEC championship game where both teams are clearly in, but they're still playing for something. They're playing for a championship, and they're also playing for a very valuable first round buy. So, not having that playoff expansion, uh, I, I think, does make some. Places think about it a bit more, like a Big Ten, a conference that's not expanding. But I think if you're the SEC, you're going to 16 teams. That's It's pretty untenable. You probably want to change that up. But, yeah, when the playoff was going to expand, there were all sorts of possibilities uh, for, for, for new games, big matchups, big non-conference games. You could afford a loss or two, and you'd be okay. Make for more exciting schedules. And now it's a little bit less so.
1: Looking at looking at the effects of this, right? I I think we're all excited about divisions going away because hopefully, you know, it gets us some more games, more uh, some more good games, more often. But if those divisions go away across college football, who who do you think has the most to lose, right? Who do you think has had a somewhat of a built-in advantage with? this division system?
2: I think you look at a team like Georgia, who plays in the SEC East and not the SEC West, which is by far the toughest division in college football. Not to say Georgia wouldn't have won the championship or anything last year, but the SEC East is very down compared to uh, 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 the West and Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Arkansas, just all these teams that are solid to good in that division. And you think of something like, you know, like, like Wisconsin in the Big Ten West, which, which, which has typically had a much easier schedule because it doesn't have to compete with Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State every single year. Now, if you're one of those teams in the Big Ten East or the SEC West, you don't need to be better than Alabama to get into the championship game. You don't need to be better than Ohio State to get into the championship game. You just got to be better than everybody else except Ohio State. And that's, I, that's what I think would be exciting for fans you'd have more of a chance uh, to, to to make it because you don't need to beat the big behemoth that's already in your division. You're muted.
0: You the, what a loser. I know. <laughs> what a loser. You mentioned the um, uh, the agenda that the council has that they're going to be going over, and this was uh, one of the things that felt like everyone was, was on board with. What else was on that agenda? Anything else? I'm, I'm sure the NIL stuff that we'll get to in a moment, but was there anything else on there, rule changes, or anything as far as um, uh, on the field of play that caught your attention?
2: Well, it's not on the field of play, but there's a really interesting one about basically a two-year waiver to allow unlimited signing class sizes. Uh, and, and currently, you're only allowed 25 This year, they allowed you an extra seven up to how many transfers you lost. And for the next two years, they may, depending on how the vote goes, allow unlimited signing classes. And the reason is rosters have gotten a bit smaller because of the number of transfers out and because of COVID and and all the the confusion that is created on roster sets. So this would say you could sign as many guys as you want, but you got to be at 85 total scholarships. Like the total roster size doesn't stay the same. But if you're down 30, 35 guys, you can sign that many. I mean, think about, you know, the hell Kansas has been in for the last decade. They could have really used this where they could only (laughs) sign 25. They could only sign 25 guys a year when they were down 30, 40 scholarships compared to to where they were. Um, Now there is a concern that this will lead to schools running off more players because they want to fill it with high school players, uh, which is something that currently happens. And probably will happen more. So the committee is going to study that. And as this plays out, if it goes forward, see how that goes to see if it could be something more permanent, but it could be a situation for two years where you could sign 30, 35 guys, just like kind of the old days before they put that cap on there.
1: That, that seems like, that seems like common sense, which probably means it won't happen. So we'll, we'll see, but I, I got one more scheduling question for you because we we talk a lot of OU football on here and you look at them and Texas going to the SEC eventually and looking like there's not going to be divisions how do you think the SEC could do its scheduling like do you think it could get somewhere to kind of similar to what the NFL does
2: are you talking about where the top teams have a tougher schedule the next year. Yeah.
1: It's almost like it's weighted. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's something they could do. I mean, like I was talking with Andy Staples about this last week in in Arizona and like the sec could make a big show. I mean, they already have a schedule show, but they could make a big show out of it where every year you don't know what the conference schedule is going to be come spring or something you release it and you make it a bit weighted like the NFL used to do you know I grew up with the Detroit Lions and in the 90s they would make the playoffs every other year depending on how their schedule was if they got an easier schedule they'd make the playoffs and when they made the playoffs they got a tougher schedule and then they didn't so yeah there's a chance you could make it a whole big show would be a huge event Andy made the point that it would it would be enormous for the Uh, bridal industry down in the south to figure out what you're doing on fall Saturdays Um, because right now they've got conference schedules set for X amount of years out. So it's not that much of a, a change. If you do it year to year uh, that could create some more parity if you decide to wait the schedules.
0: Yeah. Uh, My fear though, like I've mentioned is, it creates an opportunity for them to have their top teams, like they currently do, dodge all of the other top teams. It, that is frustrating to me. But um, NIL, this is it, – it's been wild. The way that this whole thing has progressed, and we're not even, what, a year in, get, getting close to it. And we've kind of – we've gone off the rails a bit. We, we cracked the door, and – It didn't take long for the whole thing to bust open, and we've got uh, collectives offering multi-million dollar contracts. uh, Some supposedly to guys that aren't even in the transfer portal yet. Uh, There's a lot of rumors about tampering. What's your gut tell you on some of the guidelines the NCAA is going to try and instill on this thing?
2: I mean, I mean, my first takeaway from this is that nothing is going to be resolved for quite a while. Um, you know, the, the NCAA came out with these rules ten months ago. You know when NIL happened, and and they weren't even new rules. It was just like, hey, a reminder: boosters can't be involved in recruiting, as has always been the case. And they just never enforced it because you kept having new state laws, and everybody was afraid of lawsuits and all these kinds of things. And administrators will tell you they didn't see the door being blown open so quickly. They didn't see collectives of boosters being formed and frankly that's pretty naive if that's really the case that they didn't see this coming because the history of college football is about boosters and people trying to pay players and skirt the rules like literally 100 years like iowa was once kicked out of the big 10 like 90 years ago for something like this this is not new this has always been going on and so now they're just trying to say like hey, reminder, like, you can't do this. There's there's nothing really new on the books here. This was not going to be some new process, some new rules to figure out what to do. So now we wait. Does the NCAA go after a Miami or something and and start an investigation, which will take a long time? You're not going to have boosters or collectives uh, cooperate with the NCAA because why would they? And the NCAA has no power, subpoena power to, to do anything. So then does, 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 a, does the insible uh, find a school? Do they force them to disassociate with a booster? What is that penalty if they get to that point? And when it gets to that point, you're probably going to get a lawsuit back saying that we're allowed to do this, and that'll take years to resolve. So this is not getting settled anytime soon. This is going to take years and years to play out. So uh, if you're sick of hearing about NIL, uh, I'm sorry, but it's, it's, we're going to be having these same conversations for quite a while. Yeah, so
1: those new guidelines that got issued uh, on Monday, right? It, it it seems like the focus was on what a booster is and what boosters can and can't do. Do you think, Chris, do you think that any boosters, uh, you know, collectives saw this and they were actually like, oh, no, the NCAA is coming for us? Or do you think they're kind of excited for – for the challenge, if it's coming their way, because I feel like a lot of these people that have been doing these deals, like they, they have absolutely no fear of the NCAA.
2: Well, no, I, mean, some of them have been very public about this. John Ruiz at, around Miami is calling this pay for play. Like he's saying, that's what it is. And he says he's been working with Miami compliance the whole time. And that it's, that it's by the books. So what do we do here? <laughs> there are two very conflicting things happening. And I think some boosters are are, are welcoming it because they're fine with opening the door to to them being able to to pay players. I think schools don't really want it to get to that point because it's not really going to change the playing field all that much. You're just paying a lot more money now than you were before money that was going to the schools is now going to the players and Alabama and Ohio state are still going to be the best teams on Saturday. Like it's it's not going to change all that much. It's just the money's going elsewhere now. So yeah, I, I, I think the boosters are fine with this. They, they, they've been pretty blatant, pretty transparent about it. And again, now we just kind of wait. All right, they're calling your bluff. They've been calling your bluff. Is that, are, are they going to do anything now? I, I, I don't know. That's what we kind of wait for now.
0: I feel like there's there's always been this almost like a cloud always hanging over a lot of these these school's worried about the NCAA, worried about, gosh, a recruiting infraction. Did you talk to a kid at his school or did you talk to the coach at the school? Did you happen to pass him in the hallway and say hello, and which is a, a violation? And there's always been all these, these tiny little ticky-tack things that everyone has been so worried about. And it just seems strange that now we've got these huge – huge million-dollar deals going on, and no one is worried. I, I feel like within the last 10 months, and maybe it's even a little bit more than that, going back to the, the, the college basketball situation that we saw, I, I, I have this feeling that no one really cares what the NCAA says anymore. And the new thing is just don't cooperate. If you don't cooperate with them – they are so limited in numbers and resources that it, it almost feels like they give up and move on to something else.
2: And, and, and that's always been the case, but there's always been the fear of a big fine or fear of a postseason ban of some kind. But you've seen schools that have cooperated and have received those same penalties. Oklahoma State basketball comes to mind and, you know, they blasted the incident life for cooperating and still getting hit with that. And so when it comes to enforcement, a lot of people just don't, have faith in it anymore and it's only as powerful as the faith the members have in it because the NCAA is not some third party with autonomous power it's just the schools the schools have this power the schools want to investigate other schools and if they don't think it's working then nobody has faith in it anymore you you mentioned the recruiting rules about contact with the kid and school and stuff like that another interesting part of all of this is that the transformation committee, the division one transformation committee is going to come out with a lot of potentially major changes this summer. And my colleague, Nicole Auerbach has a story up on that today. And among the possibilities is a dramatic simplification of the recruiting calendar and the recruiting rules where the idea would be you have X amount of days you can do recruiting, you can do any kind of recruiting and all other days you can't do any recruiting. It's either a recruiting day or it's not a recruiting day. And a school could determine however they want to split that up. But you see something like that and you think, why is that not already the case? Why do we have rules like bumps and contacts and you can call a kid, but you can't visit a kid? It's pretty insane if you think about the way the current recruiting rules are set up. So if you simplified it to something like that, uh, I think that could solve a lot of these problems as well.
0: Well, I think it's like one of the problems with that is. It's it's difficult for the universities, and it's also difficult for the NCAA to try and monitor all of that yes. stuff. You end up spreading your resources way too thin if, if you pretty much say, just tell us when you're recruiting, and at that point you can recruit however you want. I, I think that would simplify everything for not just the schools, also the NCAA.
2: Yeah, and then on the other hand, you have stuff like Arizona State in Air Force under investigation for recruiting during COVID when nobody was allowed to, but that's, that's a lot easier to prove. Like, like everybody knows what Arizona state did because they documented it. And it was simply, you can't have kids on campus and they had kids at games or whatever like that. And that's going through that whole process. So yeah, it'd be a lot easier to determine and and to enforce uh, if it was a lot simpler like that.
1: Chris, uh, like you mentioned, nil is not going anywhere anytime soon. What do you see as the next development in this? You know, this whole this whole thing. What, what do you think will be the next big thing that happens regarding nil?
2: Well, regarding nil, I'm not sure. It's just going to kind of wait. Are we going to continue to have big? deals being announced so publicly like we have you know there was another part of that those NCAA guidelines that said you know hey remind you you, kids can't be paid for just being on the roster and that would touch things like BYU giving a a collective or boosters or whatever giving money to BYU walk-ons or the Texas has one with the tight ends I think or the offensive line and Oklahoma has that one coming up where everybody on the roster gets $50,000 $50,000 or something like that, whatever that is. Technically, the NCAA is saying, hey, reminder, you can't do that. You, you can't, a kid can't get paid just for being on the roster. So those are some things that could really uh, conflict right off the bat there that, that are already in place that don't have to do with recruiting. So I'm curious to see where those kinds of things go. As for the other you know, potential changes, it's not NIL, but stuff like that recruiting thing I mentioned. We might have unlimited coaches allowed by this summer at some point. Uh, We might have unlimited uh, scholarships allowed in certain sports at some point. The Transformation Committee this summer, when it comes out with some of these recommendations and and, and decisions, uh, there's going to be a lot of big changes that impact how college programs
0: are run that are a lot more than simply paying players. Been a lot of talk here within the last couple of weeks as, as the NCAA has become... Maybe a little more engaged with what's going on in the NIL, uh, and some of these NIL deals have gotten what some people would say out of hand, and, and possibly the tampering situation, and it's led a lot of interesting people to say some interesting things about maybe the Power Five or a, a select group of of schools, however they maybe deem uh, fit to kind of break away from the NCAA and govern themselves. Do you see that as a possibility?
2: You know, it's something a lot of people like to say. Jack Swarbrook, the, the AD at Notre Dame, made the comment it could be in the 2030s because that's when the SEC and ACC media deals come up. But it's a lot easier to say than it is to do. The Power Five, as it stands, can already do a lot of what they already want to do. And if you have things like I just mentioned, the unlimited coaches, potentially unlimited scholarships for certain sports, uh, then you're really, you know, pleasing the SEC and some of the things that it wants to do. So at that point, what are you breaking off in order to do? Is it, is, is it to have the schools directly pay players? I don't know. They don't Greg Sankey doesn't seem too interested in doing that right now. And The Power Five conferences already have such a hard time agreeing on anything. I have a hard time seeing them creating a whole new organization. They couldn't agree to whether or not to play in 2020. They couldn't agree on expanding the playoff this year. Uh, So the idea that they're going to create a whole new organization with rules and enforcement and all these kinds of things, I'm skeptical of. But it's a fun thing everybody can say. The, 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 The TV partners would love it because that would make it easier for them. and and focusing where they're spending their money. So could it happen? Yeah, it could happen. But I, I think it's quite a ways away. And it's a lot more complicated than than a lot of the people like to say it is.
1: Chris, I know you've been very busy, man, doing doing radio hits, writing all this stuff. There's a lot going on. So we really appreciate you taking out the time to join us, man. Thank you.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
1: All right, Chris. See you, man. See, it's, it's not just NIL right now. There's a, there's a lot going on, man. Our, hey, Vanini's busy. He had to, like, fit us in a jam-packed, like, radio hit schedule, which we appreciate. But, yeah, I, I know name, image, and likeness is really, it's really stealing all the headlines, but there's a lot of other important stuff happening in college football, especially.
0: Yeah, and I like some of the other things that they're talking about with that, uh, the upcoming agenda uh, the unlimited signing classes for two years, uh, possibility down the road of uh, simplifying the recruiting calendar, maybe opening up for an unlimited amount of coaches. There's some good stuff that's, uh, that's kind of lining up when it comes to NCAA.
1: Yeah. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week.
0: But first, it's time to get back out on the golf course, people. I did yesterday, and yes, I had some clubbies, and there's nothing better to drink on the course. Then the number one seltzer in golf, Clubby Seltzers. Clubby Seltzers is an Oklahoma company that is already winning national awards because their product is delicious. Tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer. They're not just for the golf course either. Perfect to drink by the pool, after mowing the lawn, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. Clubby's first variety pack is coming out this month. To find a place near you that has Clubby's, visit Clubby seltzers.com
1: did you were you better pre-clubbies or post-clubbies
0: um i was better pre-clubbies but it was i'm not blaming the clubbies i'm blaming uh pace of play really slowed down and it got hot I'm not acclimated to the heat yet. It hit all in like one one weekend, and I was dying out there. I, I told you, when we went and played golf on Mother's Day, like, man, I was hurting, dude. And it was in I, like the 80s. When I was done, I had felt like I played in a football game. It was brutal. <laughs> but the clubbies fueled you through it. That's right. That's right
1: as your winner of the week.
0: I may need you to talk me off the ledge on this, Gabe, but Miami Dolphins signing Sony Michelle adds him to their back for uh, backfield. They've already got Rasheed Mostert in there, Chase Edmonds, uh, Miles Gaskins. We know they added Tyreek Hill. I like the head coach that they hired, the offensive coordinator formerly with the San Francisco 49ers. Am I getting ahead of myself, Gabe, whenever I feel like the Dolphins are, are turning the corner here? Are are you,
1: are you worried about the Dolphins or are you worried about your Patriots in the AFC East? That's because I am sensing some, some concern about the Dolphins maybe challenging for supremacy in that division. Now, you also... The Bills are the team you really need to worry about there, buddy. But Even the Jets. Jets had a
0: hell of a draft.
1: Jets had a good draft. Looks like Joe Douglas actually knows what he's doing. Uh, Robert Sala, I think a lot of people like him uh, as a head coach.
0: But, no, to answer your question, I'm not worried about the Patriots. Didn't you see we got the Tennessee Chattanooga guard in the first round? We'll be good, man. Cole strange.
1: (laughs) I I am sensing some... Listen, you had you had a couple of decades of dominance. Do you feel like I'm
0: abandoning ship? I'm not
1: saying you're abandoning ship. I'm saying you're starting to feel this is how other NFL fans feel, right? (laughs) The Patriots so dominant for so long. That's not normally how this thing works, right? right? That's not how the league is structured to work for a team to win that to win its division that many times in a row and that often like that's that's not how this thing is supposed to function I feel like you're just starting to feel like all other NFL fans feel and you don't like it you don't like you you like your team being the favorite into the division every year but ooh, buddy no yeah
0: Yeah, it's true I would say definitely with Brady leaving the Patriots it has given the opportunity for the other teams in the division to finally see the sun a little bit, right? There's some sunlight coming through uh, the the overhang there, and they're starting to get some life breathed into the, those organizations. I feel like the Dolphins are are making nice moves. The Jets had a really nice draft. The Bills, obviously, we know have have played really good football the last couple of years. It is it's it's interesting to watch, but. I'm, I'm excited about what I've seen so far with the Dolphins. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. You know, there, there are a lot of uh, Tua haters out there, but I'm going to give it a little, little longer. I think that they may find something there with McDaniels.
1: I, I will say this. Mike McDaniel seems like a really cool guy.
0: He is a different dude. It's kind of a breath of fresh air whenever we've kind of seen the same – personalities uh for a long time at the head coaching position he's different definitely different we'll see
1: and, and remember don't forget they added Teron Armstead as well yeah and, and if that offensive line can play at a higher level maybe maybe we see to vailoa take a big step there at QB but yeah
0: I'm interested to see how they use Tyree kill you know You go back and and watch the 49ers and some of the different things they did offensively with with Debo Samuel, and, you know, there was a lot of movement, a lot of uh, non-traditional type of of formations and plays. Tyreek Hill kind of fits that. Sony Michelle kind of fits that. Um, And, frankly, Tua does as well. I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting to watch.
1: Yeah, I I could see McDaniel getting real creative with it because who knows maybe maybe Kyle Shanahan was the one that had to like reel McDaniel back no in doubt. be like hey man whoa let's uh you're getting a you're getting a little too crazy with with the play design and the play calling here I don't know if that was the
0: case but well, now that I, I think one of those things is like just the personality that we've seen before at head coach and I think there's a reason for this like. I, there's definitely reason, but especially in the NFL, very risk averse, right? And just the way you hear him talk and, and the fact that he's a little bit different, you don't have that same feeling necessarily about McDaniels.
1: Yeah, he's, uh, he's a different dude. I, I'm excited. I, I think that division is going to be a lot
0: of fun to watch. All right, who do you have as your loser of the week? I had to go with Josh Lambeau, okay? I, I understand that the NFL's a tough place, okay? And I understand that Urban Meyer kicking you whenever you're in the stretch line was not cool. But he's suing the Jaguars for $3.5 million because, what is it, a hostile work environment under urban meyer i i can't get on board with this am i in the wrong here
1: i i don't believe so um i believe who first of all were you
0: ever stressed playing in the nfl
1: i was very stressed
0: would you consider it a hostile work environment uh,
1: so stressed in fact that i got on zoloft Right, I would, yeah. I'm stressed every day thinking you're going to get fired when you're at the bottom, uh, bottom of the roster. Yeah, I could I, never
0: sleep. I had to get on Ambien. I mean, come on. If, if, if a kicker of all people can sue a team for a hostile work environment, then I think every single player that plays any position on any team at any level can sue for that.
1: I think your big issue with this entire thing is that he's a kicker. It's like okay. really, man, you got you got physically abused by by Urban
0: Meyer. Really? Yeah. I mean come Urban on. Meyer I- kicked you in the in the stretch line. And the rest of the practice, you went over there, kicked some field goals, joked around with the deep snapper and punter while everyone else was smashing each other's faces into one another. You played golf all through training camp. Don't don't sue three and a half million dollars because a coach Half ass kicked you in the leg and told you to make your kicks. Okay. And I'll tell you, I'm, I am no Urban Meyer defender by any stretch, but this is absurd in my opinion. This, as,
1: as the old saying goes, uh, Josh Lambeau, it, he's softer than baby shit.
0: That, but here's uh, the other part three and a half
1: million dollars because the guy nudged your shin man i mean come on man this and, and this th- he is not helping the kicking profession by right. by taking this course of action he's not helping it this is not for the brand as pat mcafee would say this now if he wins hey <laughs> i mean well, i'm sure the
0: jaguars will settle but that's what i was about to say He's going to sue him for three and a half million dollars. They're going to say, here's a million bucks, get lost. And he's going to say, okay, thank you, right? It, it's 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 crap is what it is. It's a frivolous lawsuit. This is the type of crap that ties up the court system. It's, it's dumb, but he's going to get paid out of it.
1: Ridiculous. I, I would love if the Jaguars are like, no, we'll fight it. You rack up those legal fees. We'll see if you win. Like, I... Maybe it's because he's a kicker. I I don't know. Like normally, I'd be like, "Hey, any NFL player, go get your money, right?" But it's
0: like they already got a, probably a team of lawyers on retainer, anyways. It's like they're they're paying for him, anyways. Get to work, boys.
1: I I will say this. I guess Josh Lambeau's just ready for his career to be over. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Who the hell's uh,
1: and I don't know. I don't know if he's on a team right now. I'm not going to pretend I know. But this pretty much. It, this is the end of the road when you start suing teams, right? Other teams are going to, no, no. First of all, Urban Meyer kicked him for a reason. He was missing a bunch of kicks. I assume. <laughs> and now the team's like, ah, yeah, we'll find another
0: kicker. That's funny. Yeah. Pos- hey, you want to, f- you want there to be more reasons for a team to pick you up? Not second guess, right? And if you I- want to, if you want to keep playing, maybe he's, maybe he's, this is a signal that, ah, I'm done. Let me see if I can get anything walking out the door. Yeah, hey, good luck,
1: but soft, so, so very soft. All right, let's get to my winner and loser,
0: but first. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information.
1: And if you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you are doing, head to your favorite liquor store, and buy some Balcones products. you got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcony's Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcony's Single Malt won the Best in Glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen and became the first American distillery ever to win that competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, and Balconi's products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners, yes, they're from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconesdistilling.com. What, what's turned, so funny?
0: You turned into Batman at the end of that. <laughs> First of <American> <laughs> distiller to win the competition. <laughs> I, I don't know.
1: I don't know what happened there. Let me drink some water. Oh God. Oh God. All right for my winner of the week. I turned into Lego Batman. That's who I sounded like. <laughs> uh, for my winner of the week, thought about going with Al Horford, the man turned back the clock there in, in Game Four uh, against the Bucs. How about dunked on Giannis? I mean, yeah. kind of on Giannis. Like Giannis tried, Giannis tried to block it. Now Horford dunked on him. Did not have to coming.
0: after Giannis was talking mess after dunking on him. Right, it's coming right back at you, youngster.
1: Yeah, Al Horford gave him that nod, like okay. Okay, you, well, you're, you're going to get yours, and damn, okay, Al, okay, Al. Drop the 30-piece in the Celtics game for win over the Bucks. That series is fun, man, and, and no matter what happens the rest of the way, Al Horford earned some serious respect with that performance and that dunk. I, I, I know it got my attention, but I also, I also thought about going with Southern Hills, right? PGA Championship there next weekend and Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson are both on the official list of players in the field. So clearly all the best players in golf are going to be there, but having those two guys registered, now we'll see if they actually play, right? Having those two guys there, I, I feel like it just elevates the event so much because of what those two have meant for the game. And
0: It'll be good to see Phil Mickelson is alive because the guy has disappeared. I know. It's going to be awesome. And I'll say this, too. Although it's uh, it's been difficult on me, the heat that we've got is helping those golf courses, getting that Bermuda to where it's popping out there. And are we going to have... Is the uh, PGA Championship, is that the same week that, the, that Jimmy Austin's hosting the regional?
1: I... Yeah, I think that lines up, right? I think it
0: is. Or is so that this weekend? I, is that this weekend? I'm not sure, but I know that the heat was needed for those golf courses to, to get that plush Bermuda rolling, so good stuff.
1: I will. I, I have pulled up OU Golf, their Twitter. They've got a Mother's Day post, all these things. Oh, my gosh. They do such a good t- job with their content. i got to scroll forever, man. <laughs> The Norman Regional, number one. Okay, I've opened the link, and then I will find the date. Uh, 13 teams in action. Oh, gosh, there's no date. Oh, my gosh, this is the worst podcasting in the history of podcasting. Where's the date, Ted? I
0: know it was a really quick turnaround because it was supposed to be in Tuscaloosa, and they just said, ah, eh, we're not going to be able to have our course uh, ready in time. Let someone else take it. And Jimmy Austin, it goes to them, I guess, since OU was the number one ranked team. And they're like, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll do it.
1: I found it May 16th to 18th.
0: Yeah. So, that's coming up quick.
1: So, that's next week. That'll lead you right into the PGA Championship. How about yep. that?
0: Good stuff. Big, big
1: golf week in the state of Oklahoma. But my winner of the week, man, there's only one choice. Tom Brady. That... That man is winning at life. I mean, just constantly W's for our man Brady. Best quarterback of all time. Beautiful family. All the endorsements in the world. And now he's going to make more money as a broadcaster than he made it as a player. Fox announced he will take over. When he's done playing, he will take over as the number one NFL analyst for them. Ten years. Three hundred and seventy five million dollars for Tom Brady and people don't watch games because of the announcers but Fox gets to go out and say hey Tom Brady calls our games and that apparently is worth three hundred and seventy five million dollars over 10 years to them I saw that number and whoa I mean whoa we were remember when You and I were talking about the Herb Street stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And we were like, man, that's a lot of money. I mean, this is so much more money than that. It's
0: good for him. Good for him. Twice as much money, right? uh, Tom Brady is. uh, There's nothing better than to continue to fall ass backwards into a pile of cash. And that is what the man does over and over and over it sure makes retirement a little easier to swallow whenever you're going to get a uh i don't know 10 million dollar pay raise or so and life's going to be a lot easier
1: i i think some people saw it and they said why would fox pay him this much money and i don't know if you can really put a dollar figure on how much value this brings Fox, right? And almost how much value it brings the broadcast industry. I mean, how, because the interesting part about the, the report from the New York Post was that he, not only will he be the number one analyst on the games, he will also be a company ambassador for Fox. And that, that means he will help in sponsorships and promotional activities,
0: commercials and and
1: television, like putting on a, a good television broadcast is one thing, but it's all about the advertisers, right? It's all about how much you can get for your commercials. And if you're meeting with advertisers and you're trying to, maybe you're trying to increase prices or maybe you're trying to attract new advertisers. I don't know much about that. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a marketing wizard. Anyone that listens to the ad reads that we come up with probably knows that. But if Tom Brady's sitting in the room talking with your potential advertisers, that's worth a lot. What are they going to do? Say no
0: to Tom Brady? Here's what's going to happen. Tom Brady's going to be calling the game. And they're gonna to cut to commercial where Tom Brady does the Pepsi commercial, and then he's sitting on a John Deere riding lawnmower in the next scene, and then he's sitting in front of a Samsung television in the next scene. He's gonna do he's gonna be like for four straight hours gonna be on absolutely everything.
1: It's just gonna be all Brady all the all time. Brady. Now, I will I will say this: the NFL has to be ecstatic, right? He, he is by far the most famous football player on the planet. And I, I think some people kind of feared that he would kind of just fade away, right, and live his life. But this keeps the most famous guy in the sport in the fold. And, and I think that's good for everyone, right? I think that's good for current players, former players, good for Brady, good for Fox, good for the NFL, right, that he's going to, be around and not be detached from the NFL. Like, I, I think that's really cool, right? One of the all-time legends is, is staying in the mix, and I, I think that provides a ton of value. And then it is my hope, and I, I, I don't think this is going to happen because I think Tom Brady is one of the most brand-conscious athletes ever. But what happens if he retires and he just stops caring about that? And he's like, I'm going to say what I think. What happens if he goes like Charles Barkley style and is just critical and fun and witty? Like, that could be that type of analysis from a guy that has the respect that Brady's got. That could be be incredible television. It really could. But I, I have my doubts.
0: Yeah, I think he'll be... I think he'll be I think he'll be smart. I think he'll add some really good insight. He seems to be a guy. I think one of the the best traits to have as someone that's covering like as an announcer is to not take yourself too seriously and I don't think that he does. At least like whenever you see his social media and stuff, a lot of it is self-deprecating which I think is is really good and comes across really well whenever you're watching someone on TV. Whenever whenever you try to take it too seriously, I think it can be off-putting at times. But he he has, and I don't want this to sound like a Brady love fest, but he's recently, as he left New England and became more in the spotlight, he has found, I think, the perfect balance of Kind of being up to speed on everything, like being in the know, but not saturating his 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 appearances. And it's just he's he's kind of always hitting the right amount, if that makes sense. Yeah, he's got he's got a
1: great team mm-hmm. that you know I I think the the way that they execute some of that social media stuff, like he he's clearly got a lot of smart people helping him do that. And this is my last thought on it. Once I saw the deal, I was like, man, Troy Aikman's just got he's got to be got to be sad, man. This is like breaking up with your girlfriend. And then she starts dating a guy that is a way better football player than you were. He's better looking than you are. And he's also a lot richer. It is about to get paid more money than you. And everyone knows it.
0: I think it's pretty telling. That's why Aikman's been on this big health kick, right? Now he's all of a sudden jacked. He's lost a lot of weight. He's moving into the beer industry. He's pushing his beer.
1: Yeah, he's he's, he's trying to be as much like Brady as he can. But, That's man, right. he had to be because he had to be so excited for that ESPN deal. Like, oh, I'm going to Monday Night Football, and this this gets announced. And he's like, okay. And now everyone knows that Jim Rome makes
0: more money than him, too. Oh, God. I didn't know that. I guess yeah. I know it now. Go, go look at crowd. the chart.
1: Jim Rome makes thirty million dollars a year. By the way, doing what? Being him, man. I don't know. I've haven't, I haven't listened Does to Jim Rome a show? in a
0: long time. Yeah, he's got a show. I haven't heard or seen anything from Jim Rome. I'm not kidding. In more than a decade, and he makes thirty million a year. Uh, well, I, I would say Jim Rome's not missing you, Ted. He seems wow. to be doing just fine, man. That's amazing.
1: Good for I him. I know. All right. For my loser of the week, thought about going with PGA Tour players, right? The guys that applied to play in the Saudi-backed. Is it LIV Golf League or is it LIV? I don't
0: I'm gonna know. I'm going to go LIV. Okay. Yeah.
1: I don't know if that's right. I I don't know. But – The PGA Tour said, nope, you're not doing that. They they came out this week and basically said, if you play in that rival league's June event, I think it's just outside of London, uh, we're going to discipline you. And that could be a suspension. uh, That could be taking your tour card away. I don't know. But some guys, it felt like they thought they would get an exemption, be able to do both. PGA is not having it, Ted. They said, absolutely not.
0: Interesting. I, I'm i curious how they have that power or why they believe that ha- they have that power. I don't know how it's written with your tour card. If it says that if you're a PGA tour member that you can't compete in any other events, but I don't know. I If that wasn't already there, I feel like you can't just retroactively throw that in, but what do I know?
1: Yeah, there's some like exception where you can play in three events and it's they have to be outside of the United States. I don't know, there's a lot. There's a lot going on there, but it feels a little monopolistic, if you yeah. will.
0: Feels like it feels like they're threatened by it and they're throwing that out there just for guys to say, I'm not messing with that and 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 pull out. But I feel like if they Again, I have I don't know what their contracts look like. I have no idea, but I feel like if they if they if they felt like they were gonna be able to play in it before, like as they looked at their contract, I don't know doesn't seem like the PGA could change things after the fact, but I don't know.
1: Yeah, but my loser of the week the Philadelphia 76ers. Ooh, I mean, went to Miami and got absolutely smacked in game five by the heat and it was what 120 to 85 and i i don't know if the 76ers went out in south beach or what but they had no juice in that fourth quarter and it it seemingly it, it felt like everyone for the heat contributed they had like seven guys in double figures absolutely poured it on In the fourth quarter, Jimmy Butler continues to impress me and be a better offensive player than I thought he was. But Max Struess, 19 and 10 for Max Struess? I mean, where did that come from? How about that? And then that our guy Joel Embiid just, he's so skilled. He's so talented, but he can't catch a break. I mean, he's got the bad thumb. He's got the broken face. He goes diving into the stands after a ball. He comes up, like, holding his back. It looked like me and you getting out of bed. And then he gets smacked in the face and was just like, you could tell how much pain it caused him. I mean, it took him a while to gather himself and get up. I I just... Getting hit—you got a broken face, and you get hit right in the face with the ball. I I know it's basketball; it's part of it. But Andy had a—I mean—he had a relatively quiet night for him. It's got to be James Harden
0: wearing the Phantom of the Opera mask out there, and it's got to be hot and and nasty on the. I mean, no one sweats more than NBA players in a game, right? So, can you imagine wearing that mask on your face?
1: uh, And he didn't get much help from Harden either. Right. (laughs) I mean, Harden,
0: there's your answer about, uh, did they hit South beach? There's your guy. Who's the culprit?
1: (laughs) It, uh, it was an impressive win for the heat, but also pretty (laughs) underwhelming from the 76ers. And I will say the highlight of the game, Eric Spolstra, who I think is a phenomenal coach. He got a, he, he got a nice shoulder rub from DJ Khaled, which was just, DJ Khaled's had a week between the Miami Grand Prix on Sunday and giving old Spolster the shoulder rub last night. I mean, that guy's killing life. He's enjoying it.
0: I wonder if he was uh, giving him a shoulder rub and said, you owe me one because he was probably the one that was out with Harden until 6 a.m. Yeah.
1: And <laughs> last thing I'll say about that game, Miami Heat fans are the latest arriving crowd in the NBA. Like no, you no. watch the entire first quarter and it's like, wait, is this a preseason game? Oh, oh no, it's game 5 of a playoff game of a playoff series. I mean, it's it's wild seeing the amount of empty seats like all the way into the second quarter. It is.
0: Well, well, how about arrive late and leave early. Remember whenever they all bailed whenever they were playing the Spurs and they had the trophy there on the side and they had one of those that great comeback Ray Allen.
1: Just that's it, it it's very Miami. It's very Miami, but he look good. On that note, episode 213 in the books, we'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from three to six on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from three to five on Serious Sex and Big 12 Radio, channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have an awesome weekend. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Vintage